The download is complete. Welcome to the AV Forums podcast, presented by Jason Bradbury. Welcome to the 13th AV Forums podcast. Before I continue, I should explain why, for those of you who listen regularly to this podcast, my voice sounds a little less than 100%. That's because normally I use a top quality microphone and a serious piece of studio hardware uh, to bring you the podcast in full audio file quality. At the moment, however, I'm filming on set for the new series of The Gadget Show on Channel 5. And I've now stolen a few hours aside while Susie and John Bentley, my co-presenters, carry on with a link in the other room. So you'll forgive me if my voice isn't up to scratch. I'm actually using the inbuilt microphone on my MacBook. So there you go. Not the usual quality, but I hope you'll forgive me just this once. For those of you who are interested uh, in the new series of The Gadget Show, you can expect to see a review of some fantastic new phones. I've just actually been talking about T-Mobile's new HSDPA mobile. Uh, That stands for High Speed Download Packet Access. It's a very quick form uh, of 3G. Um, It's meant to supersede the 384K that we now get from 3G when it's working at its optimum with 1.8 meg. Uh, well, that's a theoretical maximum, but I'm sure you'll agree that 1.8, even if it's 1.5, is uh, you know it's pretty much broadband in your pocket. We're also reviewing a 5 megapixel phone, which is launched in the UK. That's made by LG, uh, and also I've just made a second version, version H2.0, of my hoverboard. I made a hoverboard in the last series of the Gadget Show. I've now improved on that design. Uh, by adding not one leaf blower engine but four. I've also made it circular with the express aim of getting it onto water. So I won't tell you whether it's worked or not. All I'll say is watch the new series which I think starts round about September the 18th, certainly early September on Channel 5. Anyway that's enough from behind the scenes of the gadget show. It's now time to get on with the 13th AV Forms podcast. In this week's episode, as well as the usual home cinema, DVD and gaming news, we review Sentinel on DVD and Aeon Flux on HD DVD. And in part two of our series of features about piracy, we ask FACT what they're doing to tackle the problem and hear some startling statistics about eBay pirates. This week's week's Audiovisual News. In the news this time, the UK's first Blu-ray player is announced. Fujitsu launched two huge new plasmas and details of new in-wall speakers from AV giant Meridian. With the good old US of A already experiencing all the highs and lows of the next-gen DVD war, it finally looks like things are about to kick off over here too. Panasonic has at last become the first manufacturer to officially launch a Blu-ray player in the UK. At an event in Abbey Road Studios, Panasonic unveiled its debut Blu-ray player, the DMP BD-10. And the deck certainly looked pretty accomplished, claiming a number of step-up features beyond the basic core of Blu-ray duty. Not least among these value-added tricks is Pixel Precision Progressive Processing for High Def, or P4HD for short. 
According to Panasonic, this system works on more than 15 billion pixels per second, applying the optimum processing to every last dot of video data a Blu-ray disc holds. Other handy tricks on offer include up-conversion to 1080p of everything from 480i to 1080i, a 297MHz 14-bit video converter, delivering four times oversampling for the 1080i 720p output, and a claimed 4,400 billion possible colours, and support for Dolby Digital Plus 7.1 audio. You're doubtless desperate to know exactly when the DMP BD10 is going to appear, and we'd love to tell you. But sadly, the supposed launch failed to provide a firm in-shops date. There were vague rumours of before Christmas, but nothing more solid than that. Much the same situation applies with the DMP BD10's price. We got the impression that it might be around £1,000, but this certainly isn't definite. The general lack of hard sales info suggests that the real consumer launch may not be as imminent as we might want. But at least it's nice to know that next-gen DVD really is coming to the UK, certainly on a day not too far away. Now, if you fancy owning a next-gen HD DVD displayer, you'll also naturally want a big HD-ready screen to watch it on. And for those of you with deep enough pockets, Fujitsu might have just the solution in the shape of its two new giant plasma screens, the 55-inch P55XTS55 and the 63-inch P63XHA51. Both these monster screens boast a new souped-up version of Fujitsu's generally well-received AVM2 processing engine, which Fujitsu claims now includes a number of key advantages. First, AVM2 claims to employ around four times as much raw processing power as most plasma rivals. Second, it uses pixel-by-pixel processing and scaling to keep detail levels even higher, with standard and high-definition sources alike. Next, it's got a multi-directional diagonal filter that reconstructs the lost data at the edges of moving objects to remove the jagged edge effect. And finally, a motion correction system looks ahead a number of frames to make motion appear smoother. More mundane facts common to both screens include native pixel counts of 1366 by 768 and built-in HDMI inputs. But the 55-inch model differs from its bigger brother in employing an external AV connection and processing box complete with built-in analog tuner, while the 63-inch model has its connections on the panel, but doesn't include a built-in tuner. Also, the 55-incher curiously claims a much lower contrast ratio, 1800 to 1, to the 63-inch model's huge 7000 to 1. Both screens are available now, with the 55-inch costing around £5,500 and the 63-inch around £9,000. We finish this month with perhaps the ultimate solution to that age-old problem of where to put all your home cinema speakers without making your living room look like the shop window at Comet. For no less a company than Meridian, arguably the UK's most respected high-end AV company, has put together an in-wall speaker system. The new inbuilt speakers come in two flavours. Active, where each speaker must be powered individually in return for better sound quality, and passive, where the speakers are driven by a remote amplifier. The active and passive speaker sets each feature four models. The 200Z, the 320, the 330 and the 350. The 200Z is a two-way model for using walls or ceilings, featuring an 8-inch bass driver, a 1-inch aluminium tweeter, 
power handling of 10 to 80 watts and a frequency response of 52 Hz to 20 kHz. The 320 is a step-up two-way in-wall in-ceiling model, able to handle 100 to 200 watts, with a 6.5-inch metal cone base driver and a wide dispersion ribbon tweeter. The 330 ups the size and weight considerably, and so is only recommended for in-wall use. It's another two-way model boasting similar power potential to the 320, but adding an auxiliary base radiator, a built-in high-level crossover, and superior internal materials. Finally, for those with truly deep pockets and suitably strong walls, Meridian offers the top of the tree 350, which improves on the 330 by doubling up on the 6.5-inch metal cone base drivers and 8-inch auxiliary base radiators. It's worth adding that Meridian also offers flush-to-wall and slender-on-wall variations of all these speakers, bar the 200Z. Prices for these discrete beauties start at a strikingly reasonable £182 for the P200Z, right up to £2,575 for the passive wall mount version of the 350. Naturally, though, these prices don't include any labour involved in hacking holes in your living room walls. The biggest news and DVD reviews every week. You're listening to the AV Forums podcast. The AV Forums. Forums. DVD news and review roundup with Phil Hinton. In Region 1 DVD news, Buena Vista Home Entertainment will release Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest on December the 5th. The film will be released in both single and double disc collector's editions, with extras yet to be officially announced. However, the studio has said that this title will not be released on Blu-ray disc this year. Universal will release Army of Darkness on HD, DVD, DVD combo this October the 10th. No extras have yet been announced, but this is subject to change. And Sony Pictures Home Entertainment will release An Evening with Kevin Smith 2, Evening Harder, on DVD this November 7th. Starring acclaimed indie film director Kevin Smith and his trusty sidekick Jason Mewes, this unrated and uncensored DVD takes viewers to London and Toronto on an all-hold-barred question-and-answer session with college students about filmmaking, pop culture and general questions that get to the bottom of who Smith the person really is. Extras will include a Toronto limo ride featurette in which Kevin Smith hits the streets of Toronto determined to answer the all-important question, what is Canadian cuisine? And a London man-on-the-street featurette where Smith's sidekick Jason Mewes tries out various pickup lines on the ladies of London. On Region 2 DVD from the 2nd of October, you can expect to see the real collection editions of Sony's most popular movies on DVD. All 12 movies, Black Hawk Down, Boys in the Hood, Bridge on the River Kwai, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Daz Boot, Desperado, Doctor Strangelove, Hellboy, Jerry Maguire, Lawrence of Arabia, Layer Cake and Snatch is packed with special features and comes complete in deluxe film tin packaging with four glossy collectible film stills. From October 30th, Sony has announced Ultraviolet the DVD, loaded with special features including an interview with Josevich, deleted scenes and a making of documentary. An eternal cult classic and one of the best love comedies of all time, Monty Python and the Holy Grail will be available to buy in a magnificent new 3-disc Extraordinarily Deluxe Edition from the 9th of October 2006. 
The deluxe edition has been visually remastered and is packaged full with brand spanking new extras, including a sneak peek at Spam a Lot at the musical, a CD soundtrack, and a spoof trailer based on the Da Vinci Code. And if that weren't enough, every DVD comes complete with a money off voucher for a delicious tin of spam. And finally, the Da Vinci Code will be available to buy and rent on Double Disc DVD on the 16th of October, courtesy of Sony Pictures. This Double Disc set includes a wealth of amazing extras, a series of symbols has been hidden in the film, and a special feature about them has been created for the DVD. Also included are 10 featurettes covering all manner of subjects during the making of the film. And you can read in-depth reports on all these stories covered here, as well as the fastest daily DVD and games news at avplay.com. The AV Forums Podcast, Gaming News. Nintendo addicts who have yet to go out and buy a DS Lite may want to hold on until September 13th, when two new colours are being launched. Currently, the US only have the Crystal White DS, unlike the UK, we've got the White and Onyx. Well, now the US will have the Onyx DX as well as a coral pink version. But it's not known yet if coral pink will arrive over here. Isn't it nice for once that the US market has been lagging behind the UK? Now, it might sound bizarre, but Family Guy is to be made into a video game, and it's just been announced that the show's voice talent will be providing the in game voices too. It's unknown exactly what format the game will take or which platforms it will be launched on, but expect PC and Xbox 360 versions of what could be a freaking sweet experience. The Leipzig Games Convention held in Germany this month saw a plethora of Xbox 360 and live arcade games being shown in all their glory. Titles included Bomberman, Act Zero, Crackdown, Just Cause, Marvel, Ultimate Alliance, Need for Speed, Carbon and Pro Evolution Soccer 6. Also, some exciting new titles for Live Arcade were announced with release dates. Time Pilot, the classic Konami game, will be available from August the 30th, and Scramble, the 1981 classic side-scroller, will be available from September the 6th, but will cost you a measly 400 Microsoft points. The rest of the year is looking good for Xbox 360 owners. Guild Wars Nightfall has now been given an official release date and confirms our report in an earlier podcast. Out on the 27th of October in regular and collector's editions, and with the PvE preview available on the weekend of the 1st of September, this is shaping up quite nicely and should please anyone who is disappointed with factions for being too short. With a branching storyline and two new character classes, this should keep everyone busy until Chapter 4 is released in April 2007. Finally, Xbox 360 gamers should be rejoicing after Capcom unveiled the multiplayer mode for Lost Planet at Leipzig. A 4 vs 4 multiplayer mode was available for visitors to the Capcom stand to participate in some rather intense battles. Capcom president Hiroshi Tobisawa commented that over 400,000 Xbox owners had downloaded the single player demo, which shows that this is a highly anticipated title. Capcom say that the multiplayer mode shows that they are now committed to taking advantage of the live service to deliver an absorbing multiplayer experience to the 3 million subscribers. Well, it sounds like PR spin to me, but then the single player was extremely good. Let's hope this is just the tip of the iceberg when Lost Planet is released in quarter one of 2007. You're listening, you're listening, you're listening. to the AV Forums podcast. 
This week's DVD Reviews. The Sentinel, starring Michael Douglas, Keith Sutherland and Eva Longoria from Desperate Housewives fame, is a thriller based on the premise that there's never been a traitor in the US Secret Service until now. A tip-off by an informant to Pete Garrison, played by Douglas, indicates that an attempt on the president's life is going to be made and one of the people responsible is in the US Secret Service. Also included in the tip-off, the informant hands over the security codes for that day. Enter Sutherland and Longoria as the two agents tasked with the internal investigation to find the mole. When the evidence points towards Garrison, it turns into a cat-and-mouse game between the agents. Not only has Garrison got to clear his name, he has also got to thwart the attempt on the president's life. The problem with the movie is that it's very typical. Sutherland comes across as a light version of Jack Boer. Longoria is eye candy and nothing more and is not convincing really as an agent. Douglas, on the other hand, is pretty much the same old character we've seen in all these other movies. A dash of black rain, a hint of basic instinct and sadly no sign of falling down. The second biggest problem is that you can spot the mole the minute he's on the screen. Hardly any second guessing occurs in the movie, so as a whodunit element, it fails miserably. In fact, when all is said and done, it's very much like an episode of 24, but no one near as good. The only thing you need to consider is which of the stars is using this film as a vehicle for their career, and my money is on Longoria, as the other stars didn't really need the help or exposure. Picture-wise, this is a very good transfer, devoid of dust and dirt and no obvious signs of artefacting, but it isn't spectacular. There's nothing here that's going to make you go, whoa, like a second-rate Neo. Even on an HD DVD player, it still doesn't look spectacular, so while there's nothing wrong, there's nothing striking either. Audio-wise, again, it's competent but lacks any real dynamics. With hardly any real action-based set pieces, you will be disappointed in the overall mix. Even the huge explosion midway through the film hardly rocked the LFE, let alone the room. It's just so... underwhelming. But it does do its job and the dialogue is always crisp and clear and you won't miss anything being said, but overall, like the picture, it's nothing special. So, with an average picture and sound and an average movie, is it worth buying? Well, consider this. The movie has a cinema release the very day this podcast goes live, on September the 1st. It will obviously cost you more to visit the local flea pit than to buy the DVD and watch it on your own home cinema. So, if you want to see this movie, the DVD is the best option. But, as a movie, this gets a score of 4 out of 10. This week's DVD Reviews. Aeon Flux on HD DVD stars Charlize Theron in the titular role. Set 400 years in the future, a virus has practically exterminated the majority of Earth's population. Now, a single city called Bregna exists, ruled by Trevor Goodchild. However, this rule isn't without opposition in the form of Monican rebels, of which Aeon Flux is a member. Aeon is tasked with the assassination of Goodchild and by virtue overthrow the government. However, all does not go according to plan, and soon Aeon finds herself uncovering secret after secret. It's hard to say if this movie is really bad, or that it's only worth viewing once. 
The first time I watched it, I wasn't bored but walked away with a feeling of, oh. However, I attempted to watch the movie a second time, and boy, was it a struggle. Even with the thought of Charlize Theron looking radiant, it's not easy to view this more than once, and that could be because it's not all that engaging. Once you know where the plot is going, and what the huge secret is, it's just not worth watching again. In fact, it's hard to say if it was worth watching the first time. The action set pieces are fine, albeit hard to believe because Theron just isn't an action chick. Arguably, it would have been more believable with someone like Mila Jozovic or Angelina Jolie because they've done it in other movies and are, quite frankly, more believable. The only good news is that this is not ultraviolet. The DVD had a very good transfer, but the HD DVD is absolutely cracking. Colours are bold and vivid and the image is sharp and detailed, so much so that we can see blemishes on Miss Theron's skin that the makeup department really should have covered up. Some have said that this is the best looking HD DVD to date, and while it's hard to disagree over the quality of the picture, I'd give that honour to Sky Captain from the HD DVDs that I've seen. Audio wise, it's a little disappointing. While it's better than the DVD, it's only just a little bit better. The problem is more to do with the actual sound mix itself. Witness flux breaking out of her cell and you'd expect a decent explosion, but no, it's a letdown with no decent punch from the LFE channel. Even the finale when the skyship descends fails to engage the base and full weight of that occurrence. But the surrounds are lively, particularly the infiltration across the garden scene and dialogue is always crisp and clear. So, a very difficult movie to watch more than once, and nothing overly spectacular on the initial viewing either. Picture quality is superb, but the audio disappoints in places. If you like the movie, then pick up this version, as it is visually stunning. If not, well, it's a good demo at the very least for that HD DVD player that you keep bragging about. Either way, this scores only 4 out of 10, and thanks to DVD World USA for supplying the review disc. The highest definition. 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 This is the AV Forums Podcast. In the second part of our piracy features, Phil Hinton talks to Eddie Leverton from the Federation Against Copyright Theft about the tactics they employ to stop the pirates. The AV Forums Podcast Special Feature. Eddie, can you tell us about FACT? Yeah, FACT is a trade organisation which has members um, in the film industry, including the major studios, but also independents and also companies like Sky as well who are connected to the industry. Uh, It was founded in 1983 and its sole aim is uh, anti-piracy to protect um, the industry and its products from pirate activity. The general public don't seem to perceive buying dodgy DVDs as being bad. Um, Lots of local markets seem to have this problem. What do you do to educate them that buying pirates is bad? Well, we have a programme of enforcement and of education, uh, and we work with other bodies on the education front as well. So you would have seen, for example, the Piracy is a Crime campaign, um, ads in the cinemas, on buses, um, in newspapers and magazines as well. What we do specifically at FACT, though, is generally more on the enforcement side, but also um, working to try and persuade people that this is a crime type that they shouldn't be involved in. And the the innocent purchase of a DVD can actually lead to the funding of an organised crime network. Do you think there's enough media attention to the problem of piracy, or 
Is it due to the lack of high-profile cases hitting the news that the reason why people are maybe mistaken into thinking that what they're doing is not really wrong? Well, I think people uh, don't always want to believe what they hear um, and you can put out the same messages over and over again but if people think they want to spend their four or five quid on a on a counterfeit DVD um, how are you going to persuade them and, and what we think is the most persuasive way is to explain actually where this money goes that you're funding somebody's criminal lifestyle you're funding their nice house their nice car um, and also the, the organized crime networks behind that and and these people are very often involved in other nefarious criminal activities um, some of which can be very unsavoury, um, which can be drugs, paedophile material, um, exploitation of children, uh, but then also things like benefit fraud. But we also see a lot of violent crime as well coming involved with film piracy. How has the internet and downloading affected fact? Well, the internet is, is certainly another means by which people can um, sell uh, pirate material. Uh, so websites and auction sites like eBay um, are ones that we monitor quite closely and we do a large number of takedowns on eBay every day. Um, and we like to try and work with uh, people like eBay to try and uh, get that material taken down more quickly. Um, but Certainly in terms of uh, file sharing is an area where we are um, increasing our capability and that's uh, certainly an area that we'll be looking into over the coming months and uh, certainly 2006 should see a lot of activity from fact on that front. Do you think that region coding on games such as Xbox 360 and PlayStation 2, DVD movies and potentially the new formats such as HD, DVD and Blu-ray, if that were stopped, would it have a positive effect on the level of piracy? Well, I... I, I I think piracy, film, film piracy, you know, people are going to find ways around um, technology or around coding anyway. So I'm not sure whether the coding is just, you know, an excuse that people use to say, well, I want to buy this film now and I don't want to wait till it comes out or I want to make copies of this film because it's not available in my region. Um, we do live in a society where um, information is you know, increasingly freely available. And we also live in a society where people want things now. It's a very now society. I want it and I want to be able to buy it now. Um, the coding issue, I guess, is an issue for the studios and for the games manufacturers themselves um, and for the manufacturers of the hardware. Um, but you are increasingly seeing, you know, simultaneous releases or closer uh, windows of movies and games. Given that, do you think if the studios were to um, shorten the release spans um, and maybe do a same day and date release on DVD as well as in the cinema, that would uh, that would take the pirates market away? Well, I, I I don't know about you, but I believe that the best way to see a, a, a movie is in the cinema, and you can't beat the experience of going to the cinema, despite you know whatever setup you might have in your home. Um, the cinema is by far the best way to see it, unless you're very, very rich and you have a very large cinema in your house, um, So unless you're a premiership footballer probably. Um, by releasing on DVD, you would be endangering the jobs and, and the livelihoods of a large number of people in the exhibition sector, So, um, and also spoiling the enjoyment of a large number of movies for people, I think, you know, the... the, the Every sector of the industry is under a lot of pressure and being squeezed, and I think you know we should be actually supporting the local cinemas and the local rental shops rather than trying to exclude them. So, what do you think um, is the solution to the problem? 
Well, we, we believe that, that, that a program of education and persuasion, um, that we have a lot of information on our website, for example, in terms of case studies which detail uh, the types of criminal activities that people involved in film piracy are also involved in, um, some of the ones that I've detailed before. Um, we also believe in, in you know, increasing our enforcement capabilities as well and targeting the people who are making vast amounts of money, the organized criminal networks and the individuals behind those networks. So to that end, we have set up with the Metropolitan Police in London the Film Piracy Unit, um, which has a dedicated team of financial investigators who are exactly um, aiming to target the people and the networks um, who are making, say, vast criminal profits from film piracy because it's seen as easy and uh, you know quick way to make a fast, you know, you know, it's an easy way to make a fast buck, basically. How does FAC distinguish between the professional pirates and the casual file sharers? Well, we we we, we don't really distinguish between people at all. So, um, you know. As I say, in terms of file sharing, that is an area where we haven't taken very much action, but we will be looking into that area, and we are looking into that area very closely now, um, and a lot more in terms of the online. But you know, increasingly what we're trying to do is target the source of the material, the people who are really making the vast amounts of money, but also the, the, you know, the individual who may think, well, you know, I can set up at home and do this and make some quick money, and nobody's going to find me. Um, we we recently had a, a guy who was um, selling on eBay, um, who'd made tens of thousands of pounds in a very short space of time. Um, he received a six-month jail sentence. And in fact, in the next couple of weeks, there will be a confiscation order um, produced, which um, you know could lead to very severe penalties for him in terms of uh, assets uh, and property being seized. So. You know, this type of action is taken against individuals as well as, I say, the organisations. Uh, we had a raid um, on, on a house in Hackney uh, last Thursday, um, which also resulted in the seizure of 3,500 uh, DVDs. And this was a person who was selling over the internet to a mailing list, um, a 55-year-old woman who, to all intents and purposes, wouldn't have looked like a film pirate, but, you know, we have evidence that she's made substantial amounts of money from that. What kind of software are we talking about during these raids that you that the property that you seize? Is it mostly movies or or is there a mixture of of media type there? Um you will find movies um uh, games software is is often found as well and also music uh, which is increasingly being found in uh, on DVD rather than on CD as well so obviously it can hold more files on on DVD. Uh, but by and large the film piracy does seem to be the most uh, the most profitable one for uh, people involved in this kind of activity. But you will also find, um, as I say, other types of uh, pirate material as well. You know, and that could also be clothing, cig um, counterfeit cigarettes, counterfeit alcohol, um, uh, hardcore pornography. Um, you know, al almost every, any type of criminal activity is found in relation to film piracy, you know, at, at various uh, places that we raid. Given that it's a lot more complicated nowadays to make a copy of a DVD than it was to copy a cassette back in the 80s, do you think the copy protection mechanisms are working, or do you think people will just find a way around it anyway? Well, I think the, as you know, as a, a an intellectual property owner, you 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 want to protect 
you know, your property in the best possible way. And if that means a type of crop protection, you know, then then you have every right to be able to do to install that and to to use it. Um, the question is, I suppose, whether people will always find a way around technology. I guess that's pretty much the case. There's some very clever people out there who are always trying to break things. Whether that type of technology is available to the casual user is a different matter. Um, as you correctly say, it's not always that easy to make a copy um, of a disc, of a game, um, but people will find their way around it. Um, but you know, the industry will always have to try and find a way to best protect its interests. Um, and to safeguard the jobs and the livelihoods of the people who work in that industry. And that could be everyone from the person who works in the local video rental store to the people who are working in the film industry, um, you know, at a, at a high level as well. And, and the UK certainly has a very vibrant and has had a history of having a very vibrant film industry and also a very strong interest in film. You know, the UK is the, is the largest market outside the US for movies. Um, and I think it would be a shame if that was spoiled by some people who, you know, want to uh, make money um, from film piracy, which, you know, is a crime, um, is punishable by up to 10 years imprisonment and or an unlimited fine. There's some confusion, especially on, on our forums now and again, um, the conversations will go towards making backups of DVDs. And are you legally allowed to do that Um and, you know, the trailers state that you can't circumnavigate the, the copy protection. So I guess the question is, is it legal for you to make a, a backup copy of a DVD which you've purchased legally? Or are you actually breaking the law there? Um, you, as I believe it, and I, I'm happy to stand corrected, you, you shouldn't really make a backup copy. Um, and, and actually, it's not always that easy to do it. Um, I could be wrong, but I, I'm not aware that it's always that easy. You would need to download some specific software to do it. Um, in, in principle, you know, we, we, we'd, we'd, we wouldn't condone that. But in practice, if you're making one copy, um, why would you, I'm not quite sure why you'd be making the copy anyway. Um, would that be in case a disc was damaged? I'm not, what, what are the reasons that people state for well, doing it? Well, I mean, obviously... Um you know, as technology moves on, a lot of people are now using um, home computers, um, what, what they call term as home theatre PCs, where they will put the, the discs onto a hard drive so it's easy to access through a home network. Well, if, you know, if, if somebody's doing that, you know, I'm not quite sure how we would find out somebody was doing that anyway. They're not selling it for financial gain. Um, and they're using it for their own use, then, you know, there's no way, there's, there's pretty much no way we'd find out. We you know, contrary to what people think, fact um, doesn't have spies in everybody's living room. Um, so, yeah, although, although we wouldn't condone it, um, we're not going to go after those kind of people. You know, we are after the people who are making vast amounts of profit from film piracy and are endangering the livelihoods of people who work across all sectors of the film industry, as I say, from the local rental store all the way through to people who are trying to get jobs in the industry as directors or actors, for example. Um, you know, somebody making a copy at home is not selling it. What measures do you feel the industry, not fact, um, could do to minimise piracy? For example, do you think there's a, maybe a problem with pricing that the public maybe perceive that the price of a DVD is maybe too high and they'll go down the market and spend four quid on, on, on a pirate instead? 
well, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not best qualified to talk about, you know, pricing. That, that really is an issue for the studios, for the wholesalers and for the retailers themselves as well. But, you know, it, 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 it does surprise me that people talk about the price of, of, of DVDs because, you know, uh, those kind of prices have come down in recent years. Um, there's often special offers on as well in the shop. So um, I'm not quite sure that's a, that's a valid argument. Um, and the same people who often buy a pirate DVD would think nothing of spending £90 um, on a pair of new legitimate trainers, perhaps, or hundreds of pounds on a new mobile phone or the latest gadget. So I'm, I'm not quite sure that argument stands true. Does piracy really fund organised crime and terrorism, and is there hard evidence to back that up? Um, in terms of terrorism, it, it was something that was said a few years ago. Um, we certainly don't have any evidence to, to support that, um, and that's not something we have said in recent years. Um, in terms of organised crime, absolutely. Um, and, uh, for example, the largest uh, problem in the UK at the moment is uh, the, the Chinese, what we call the street sellers, going um, around pubs, um, around uh, factories and offices, into cafes. Um, and we know that this is um, uh, part of an organized crime network that stretches across the UK. So absolutely we can say that organized crime is involved in film piracy and that you know, the money from pirate DVDs does go to fund those organized crime networks. Not just, not necessarily just Chinese organised crime networks. Um, you know, crime networks who are involved in um, selling on uh, in car boot sales and markets across the country as well. You know, an organised crime network can be a group of people who are uh, who get together and um, you know decide to sell pirate material or other counterfeit goods as well. Um, but certainly, the biggest problem is the Chinese organised crime networks. And what kind of money are we talking about? What kind of sums of money are we talking about here? Well, we raided uh, with the police and trading standards uh, a number of factories, what we call pirate factories, um, in the London area um, this year. And if I just take three factories in particular of these pirate factories, they, their criminal profit, their turnover, uh, would have been, we calculate, £9 million a month, and that's just from three factories. So from that, you can see that there are you know, vast profits that are tempting people into this kind of area, but um, also they're putting themselves at risk because, you know, we are now out to target them, working with the Metropolitan Police Film Piracy Unit, working with police services across the country and trading standards as well. So, yes, there are vast profits to make. You know, we see people on eBay who are making tens of thousands of pounds, but, um, as you know, anything that is done online is traceable. Where did the majority of these pirates uh, originate from? Is, it a, is the UK a major problem or, or is it actually coming from overseas? The material is largely now burnt within the UK. Um, up until about two years ago, the majority of UK pirate film material was uh, smuggled in from um, the Far East, from places like Malaysia, from China, for example, um, due to the excellent work done by um, HM Revenue and Customs, um, uh, working with ourselves and with other organisations, that flow has been stemmed, um, and now the market is very much supplied by uh, home burnt material. So, these factories that I was talking about in London, we were finding um, up to 500 burners 
in one unit, um, working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Does FACT have any legal powers or do you rely on other agencies for prosecution? No, we can actually prosecute in our own right. We, As a trade organisation, we have uh, statutory powers to be able to do that. And that, those are criminal prosecutions. Um, but wherever possible, we work with the police, with trading standards to bring prosecutions as well. Um, it would just depend on the type of case. Looking at the current state of auction sites like um, eBay and the rather obvious adverts on there selling pirated goods, what powers does FACT have in combating this? Is it a major problem for you? It is a major problem. Um, we, eBay does have a system called Vero, which um, enables um, copyright owners to be able to um, notify eBay of counterfeit material on their website um, and have that taken down within 24 hours. And um, just to give you an example, in 2005, we took down uh, 22,000 listings on eBay. Um, now, when I say listings, that's just you know, pages listing. That's not individual items because you'll find some listings have hundreds and hundreds of items on there. Um, we would certainly welcome, uh, you know, increased vigilance from um, auction site owners um, as the material that's being posted on there. But certainly we do work on a daily basis to take down listings. And as I've said before, we do um, uh, take people to court and we will prosecute people who are selling counterfeit material on auction sites and via other uh, means online as well. So if a member of our forums, um, being the film buffs that they are and home cinema buffs that they are, looking around for the latest bargain, they find um, what they believe to be pirated goods. How do they go about reporting that to fact? Well, there's uh, two ways. Um, they can go to our website um, and uh, there'll be a link, I guess, with this interview. The website is www.fact uk.org.uk and there's a link on the homepage which uh, says report piracy and there's a form they can fill out it can be anonymous um, and they can put whatever information they want in there um, and that can be and that then is sent through to us and we would um, then take action from that um, they can also call the piracy hotline which is 0845 604567 um, and certainly we welcome the assistance of anybody who has information relating to film piracy. A large number of um, cases that we do have do stem from information that comes from members of the public. And finally, um, what kind of message do you want to give to, to our listeners with regards to what FACT does and, and how we can help you? Well, I'd like to think that you know we are doing um, enough to protect um, you know the rights of people to be able to do uh, what they want, um, but also to to um, go after the people who are making vast profits from film piracy. So we are trying to educate people more, to explain to people that um, there are links to organised crime, that the innocent purchase of the DVD is going to fund somebody's criminal lifestyle. So you know your four quid that you give to the Chinese guy in the pub. Um, whilst you might think, um, you know, poor guy, I'm feeling a bit sorry for him, that money there is going, you know, down the chain and is making millions of pounds of profit for, um, for people who are involved in other rather nasty criminal activities as well. Um, so, you know, we're, we're out to, to educate people as well as um, to target the people who are making the vast amounts of money as well. Um, and certainly we welcome any inputs um, from, you know, members of your site, anybody listening to this who wants to post on the forum, who's got any suggestions, 
um, we'd certainly, you know, we're open to um, to listen to people as well. Um, you know, we whilst we do represent our members, we also have to be aware that you know we want need to work with the, the public to be able to tackle this major problem. Eddie, thank you very much for your time today and joining us on the forums podcast. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak to me. In podcast fourteen, we bring you the third and final part of our piracy feature. We need your comments in this heated debate as we round up what we've learnt so far and the likely direction that piracy will take in the future. The piracy thread in the new podcast forum has garnered many brilliant replies and we ask those members and anyone else with a view to pick up the phone and call 0208 123 9587 to have your say. And as if to make the point about downloading material more frank for the studios, we've got some interesting statistics for you to consider. Lost Series 2 is released on Region 1 DVD this week and continues its run on Channel 4. Back in May, we asked AV Forum's visitors how they'd be watching it. Over 700 people voted in the poll and the results go like this. 11% of people were watching it on Channel 4 if they happened to catch it. 26% were recording every episode so they wouldn't miss it. Only 5% were avoiding it on the TV so they could enjoy the DVDs when released. But a staggering 58% had already watched the entire season, having downloaded it from the internet. The reasons cited for downloading were predictable. The series was so gripping that people just couldn't wait until it was aired on TV in the UK. And of course, the downloaded version is free of any advert breaks. As always, the AV Forums members paid attention to the quality of their viewing material, with most downloading the 720p HD version. The solution to downloading in this case is obvious. Blockbuster shows must be aired simultaneously around the world. You're listening to the AV Forums Podcast. Contact the AV Forums Podcast. Email podcast at avforums.com. Coming soon in the AV Forums podcast, we're discussing the effect that internet sales have made on the AV industry in the UK. How have manufacturers and retailers had to adapt to the changing market? If you work for a manufacturer or retailer, we'd like to hear your comments. Also, if you buy AV equipment, whether it be high-end or budget-priced, we'd like to know whether you prefer buying online or from high street dealers. Please email us on avdoctor at avforums.com so we can arrange a friendly phone interview. Or you can call us on 0208 123 9587 and leave your comments on the answer machine. We really do want your opinions. Please contribute to make your AV Forums podcast as good as it can be. And that wraps up the 13th AV Forums podcast. This is Jason Bradbury saying thanks for listening, stay subscribed and tell your friends. The AV Forums podcast was presented by Jason Bradbury and written by John Archer. The DVD News and Reviews Roundup was written and presented by Phil Hinton, with gaming news written by Damon Dove. Original music by Andrew Bassett. The podcast was produced and mixed by Phil Hinton, and the executive producer was Stuart Wright. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Forums podcast is copyright M2N Limited. <laughs> <laughs>